Welcome to Crossed Over, the show where you hear stories of people who have been transformed by Jesus Christ, who have truly crossed over from death to life. Well, hey there, welcome to Crossed Over. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, and today we have another episode of the show, and I'm excited about the guests that we have on today. Uh, if you have watched any of our shows, um, you would know what I'm about to say. If you're new to Crossover, uh, I want to share briefly the inspiration for the show Crossover. It comes from John 5:24, where Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Well, we have a new episode today of Crossover, and I'm just going to go ahead and bring in my guest. It's the one and only Cooper Short. Give it up, Cooper. What's up, man? Listen, can I just say, I I didn't expect the intro to be what it was, but the intro was fire. That was really good. I love the, like, I love the, like, kind of, like, inspirational hip-hop beat. I love the classic Shane Doty uh, interjection there because I mean, what a legend! So that was that was awesome. I was well. I was thank you so much. That. That was, that, Coming that from great. you, that, that that means a lot. And as uh, <laughs> those of you watching or listening, uh, you realize that this is going to be an easy interview for me because Cooper is not shy uh, from the microphone, and so it's going to be an that's, easy that's interview today. So Cooper, man, welcome. Uh, honestly, uh, I had I have to tell my guest uh, that you. Um, in your podcast, having me on your podcast that I was, that was the first time I was ever on anybody's podcast. So thank you for bringing, ushering, um, me into the world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So problem, you know, when I was, when I was in college, I, uh, I was, I was really trying to, trying to figure out my call to ministry. I knew I had a lot of stuff I wanted to say, didn't know how to say it. And I mean, the best medium right now, especially in light of COVID-19, the best medium to stick content on the internet is through writing, through recording, um, be it video or audio. So, man, well, that, the, uh, well, that's the, why we're the here. Podcast that, journey is a good one to be on. That's right, good. That's why we're here. So, thank you for uh, uh, for introducing me really to the podcast world, even though I've listened to some through the years. Well, for our guest Cooper, we're going to get right to it. Introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are, and I may um, interject a little bit of my connection with you as well. To share with us, uh, who's Cooper Short? Yeah, so uh, my name is Cooper Short, as you can read on this uh, this little card underneath me. Um, I'm 22. I uh, I go to uh, well, right now I'm a first year seminary student at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's in Wake Forest, North Carolina. So I do not go to Wake Forest University. Different city, different school. Uh, I live in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Um, I'm starting my MDiv in pastoral ministry. Um, I am engaged to Sydney Kate Grubb. She will be Sydney Kate Short in about five months or so. And I have just recently, as in like the last like 12 hours, uh, committed to taking a position as the associate pastor of youth, young adults, and young families at Westside Fellowship in Burlington, North Carolina. So I'll be transitioning. Yeah, that's right. So um, I'll be uh, transitioning to that part of life here fairly soon. Um, that's still kind of in the works. We got to do some W-2s and stuff like that. But uh, that's kind of the next phase of the journey for me. Um, I'm from Kings Mountain, North Carolina, where Jeff's from. I uh, grew up in Jeff's church. Uh, grew up as actually as one of Jeff's parishioners as a as a youth member under him till I was in tenth grade. And uh, Jeff and I, we've done all kinds of stuff together. Been to youth camps together, played disc golf together. 
eating Chick-fil-A together as all good Southern Baptists do. Um, and you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just excited to be on the show. Uh, it's, uh, very rarely have I actually been interviewed for things. It's normally me having to interview other mm -hmm. people. So this is, this is kind of a cool experience. I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, I'm really excited about the next two and a half hours as we take this journey together. Sweet, sweet. Oh, I thought it was three and a half. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah. I, I, I got I to gotta read or something. That's good. Well, you know, we've the one good thing about crossover is that we have the video options. So some of you are watching us on YouTube or Rumble. And some of you, if you're like my wife, she prefers to hear and while she's doing things to listen to the show, which is also on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. So uh, a little bit about Cooper that I'll add to it. Cooper, the first time I ever um, saw Cooper Short, I don't know if I've told you this, Cooper, I think you were in fourth or fifth grade. I walked into the Kings Mountain High School Auditorium for the West Elementary Talent Show. And one of the starring acts who stole the show on that evening was none other than a nine-year-old Cooper, Cooper Short who did a freestyle rap for about five minutes. And I said to myself and my wife, and we said, who is this kid? Because he was clearly comfortable on the stage. Yeah, you know, I uh it I really love rap music now. I'm a I'm a big rap music fan, but the inception of that was deciding I wanted to be in a talent show and just kind of sitting around and thinking like, do I have any skills? Can't dance, can't sing, can't juggle. Uh but you know what I can do is I can rap. So I just, you know what, that became like my first claim to fame and for that little 3-year period, man, I was like I was like the the biggest rap artist ever to come out of Kings Mountain. So I was I was really excited about that. You know, all 11,000 people, their entire personal history was pointing in my direction up on stage. So you know what? I take that humbly and say I was an artist. For that brief moment of time, I was an artist. Well, uh, little did I know that you would end up, you and your family would end up uh, moving to our church. And at the time, I think Molly, your older sister, uh, was in our youth group, and then you came along, and uh, it's been a, it's been a journey through the years seeing you grow up, and honored to have uh, kind of had a front row seat to see what and, and see what God's been doing in your life. And so, uh, for those of you who may not may not know, uh, Cooper, uh, his mom and dad are still part of our church, and younger brother, and uh, younger sister as well, and um, his uh, Cooper's dad, Craig. As one of my one of my dear friends, who's a Miami Dolphin fan, and I love him more for that, I think, than anything else. But uh, oh, Cooper, absolutely, Cooper's coming along in his fan fandom of the Dolphins, and uh, so no, Cooper, um, you were on my list from the beginning. Uh, once we did the leadership here at our church at First Baptist, you were on my list, pretty high up to be uh, to be interviewed for the show. Well, I put a little logo for those of you watching. On the screen, it says Calf Christ, Caffeinated Christianity. The podcast that I referenced early on that Cooper uh, Cooper started kind of a digital ministry called Caffeinated uh, Christ. For those of you listening, it's simply Calf Christ, C-A-F-F, Christ.com. Check it out. Cooper does a lot of blog. He's got some other friends who, have, who contribute um, in written form as well as uh, some other some some podcasts and interviews. Uh, Cooper, anything you want to share about Calf Christ? Um, you know, you kind of you kind of covered most of it. Um, we when I when I designed Caffeinated Christianity a few years ago, kind of my idea was to create an online discipleship resource where 
we want it to be a database that talks about the stuff that people don't really like to talk about or to answer the questions that maybe people have that don't get answered at church. Um, and to kind of challenge the norm of what um, Christian dialogue is, because we can all spend a lot of time sitting around arguing about Calvinism, or we can spend a lot of time arguing about what Bible translation you use, but that's not the stuff that I think affects real life people. Um, I went to a secular college with secular people who thought they were believers who weren't, and the recurring theme was that they had these roadblocks in the faith that had simple answers. Um, they had simple questions that had simple answers, simple answers that nobody ever talk to them about. And so we like to take real life, real life interactions with Christ and put them in a digital format to where people can grow off those. And so we want to become an online discipleship resource resource for those people who call themselves believers. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all kind of on the same journey and there's got to be some co cohesion in that, in that vision. So that's what we decided to do. So we became an online um, kind of creative content website where we've, we've experimented over the last couple of years with different things that we offer. Um, we don't pump out as much content as we used to simply because I'm the primary curator of that content and life's just getting kind of, life's gotten kind of crazy over the last 18 months or so, as most people know. So it hasn't been as frequent as, as, as we would have liked it to be, but we're, we're actually actively right now, um, experimenting both with a new platform, a new, a new website platform and with uh, some kind of new offerings we have trying to reach maybe some people on the fringes, um, because our goal is to take people between the ages of, uh, of, of, you know, 15 and 40 people who consume most uh, digital content. We want to, we want to reach them with the gospel, but also train them on the Christian God's calling them to be. And so that's kind of our, that's kind of our vision and uh, something that we, uh, that we're trying to do. And so it's, it's for all intents and purposes, still in a very nascent stage. And I don't ever anticipate that we'll be the gospel coalition. That's not what we're doing it for, but you know, if there's, if there's one yeah. person who's, who, who's feeding off the content we're trying to distill out of God's word, then, Praise God for that. So. Well, I, I encourage you know, the listeners, those of you watching out there, check it out, uh, calfchrist.com. And uh, one of the things that, uh, and Cooper, I'm not going to be offended by the fact that you said 15 to 40 uh, and the fact that I'm, I'm on the high side uh, above that, 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 that bracket of age there. But, uh, uh, but the inspiration, and for those of you watching, you can see the coffee cup. Cooper is a coffee aficionado. aficionado. He loves yeah. coffee particularly black, and uh, Cooper is sorely disappointed in my coffee consumption. Now, my coffee consumption is usually not black. It's uh, usually based in, um, with a bunch of other additives. So anyway, Cooper, that's, that's great. Calf Christ, encourage you uh, to check it out. Well, Cooper, this show is called Crossover, and as I've shared with you and shared with my listeners, uh, I'm really passionate about the life that Jesus pours into us. Um, ultimately, I know you would agree that um, there's a lot of people in our world today that are chasing so many different things that they think is going to give them life, it's going to give them purpose, going to give them hope. Um, in previous episodes, we've had our pastor at our church, some other pastoral staff and leaders, and myself share our, our, our really our story, what we consider our Christian testimony um, of how we um, individually may have been chasing other things, but we had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and he poured, he brought us literally from death to life. And so you're on the show and we, um, I don't want to waste um, this opportunity that you and I have to talk about Jesus uh, because I know, knowing you personally, I know that, um, that uh, you're not a big fan of Jesus, but you are a Christ follower. 
and following Him has changed your life. It's changed as you shared um, what you're doing. You're going to you, uh, you called to be a pastor. Um, you're taking a step into full-time ministry here soon. You're in seminary. But let's take a step back, Cooper. If you would, uh, growing up, as you, your family, I believe, calls themselves uh, the Shorty Clan, the, the Short Family. Um, I know you come, you've got three brothers and sisters, there's four of you, great mom and dad. Um, share with us a little bit what it was like growing up um, in the Short Family. Yeah, so uh, my family's a basketball team. Uh, there's mom and dad, same age, Jeff's age, really. Uh, dad's birthday was actually yesterday, just turned 48, so he's officially old. Um, he, psychologically, though, my dad's my dad's been old for a number of years. Anywho, I digress. Mom and dad, Molly. Molly is married. Uh, Molly's 25. She works for and attends Liberty University, lives in Lynchburg. Um, she married a she married actually someone who who uh, whose family and who was also a member of First Baptist, Matt Hoppus. And so her name is Molly Hoppus now, or Holly Moppus, likes to call herself. There's me. I'm 22. I'm engaged. Emma is 16, will be 17 next week. She's a junior in high school. She's the flower child. She loves to be artsy and dress in her, you know, kind of bougie consignment store outfits. And she's really super funny. She's terrible at math. And she loves Starbucks. And then there's Gabe, who is my tiny little shadow. He's not tiny anymore, though. Um, Gabe's 14 years old. He's in eighth grade. Um, he is also hilarious, and uh, he is really into golf, really into kind of tech stuff um, and, and things like that. And so my family is super close. Um, my family is uh, my family has always been one of those families that does everything together. And uh, so growing up, it was it was it was a really cool experience compared to some of my other friends because we enjoy spending time together. We go on these trips together. We uh, we go to the grocery store together. I mean, being in my family has always been super fun. Um, my parents are both hilarious. Everybody's got a really good personality. And we've just always enjoyed spending time together. A lot of, you know, we've all got our own quirks or whatever, but we've had a really good time my entire life um, being related to one another, if that makes any sense. And so growing up a shorty has been cool. I've been super blessed. We've, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect family, but if I could say colloquially, like if there is a perfect family, my family was one of those, you know, we've, we've all got our own individual issues and we've gone through some things together, but we've gone through those things together. Um, my mom and dad have always had jobs. We've never really struggled. It's been, it's been a really unique and blessed experience to, to grow up as a short because, you know, it's, it's taught me a lot of things about the value of what family really is. And that translates obviously to what spiritual family really is. It's given me a cool taste of what it means to actually be in a local church, because in a lot of ways, my family's a local church. Um, we're all believers. I've gotten to watch all of my siblings come to faith. I've got to watch my mom and dad take on pretty serious spiritual roles, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. And so growing up as a short man, it's just been cool. You know, it's funny, it's fast paced, and we do a lot of stuff together and there's never a dull moment. I'm always laughing. Um, and unfortunately, I don't get to spend as much time with them as I as I as I once did. But it's been really cool, especially as a sibling, to be both an older and a younger sibling and be close enough to all of my siblings to relate. So it's been a super unique experience. God's been really kind to me, um, and I'm and I'm starting to realize that more and more the older I get of actually being in this family. I'm spent a absolutely one of the probably probably the foremost incredible experience of my life here on earth. Um, save salvation. So um, for that, I'm I'm truly truly grateful. That's good. Your your family is a very tight-knit family, and I've loved and appreciated you guys for many years. Um, part of 
part of your upbringing, what really jumps out to me, um, knowing you, is that your older sister was really um, an active and a good softball player. Um, your dad, yeah. your dad and mom, always very active. You played football, and uh, you were a phenomenal um, long snapper for the high school football team here in Kings Mountain. And um, I, I want to kind of shift a little bit. So, growing up in a tight end family. Um, Share with us a little bit, before we get to where football took you college-wise, uh, share with us uh, really kind of when you stepped out into faith and followed Christ for you. You mentioned your family, um, growing up in an environment, where there's an environment of faith, um, kind, yeah. of a, kind of a Christian environment. But when, Cooper, when did you, when, when was that, a, that personal, when did, when did you make that personal? Yeah. So, you know, I did grow up in a Christian household and uh, my life was, I mean, my life growing up was, was pretty awesome, you know, for all intents and purposes. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to measure the life of a child by materialistic worldly measures, my life fit that bill, you know? And so that was a good thing because man, that was awesome. I was super blessed for that, but it was a bad thing because I never really saw my need for the gospel because I didn't really see my need for much else. Um, I didn't really, I never really wanted for anything. I never really, never really faced any, uh, any any major trials and tribulations growing up so when it came time to try and you know decide who i was going to be in christ i never had to think about that because i never had to think about much else i just kind of did my thing had my siblings had my family um had a great time and so i got saved quote unquote when i was about you know i was i was young i mean i hardly i hardly remember this uh hardly remember this moment i for sure had no idea what the gospel was in that moment um, I did the, I did the, uh, say the prayer, get dunked in the water kind of thing. And, um, that was kind of the end of it. Now I was never a bad kid. I was always, you know, fairly ethical, fairly moral. I, you know, I never, I never did anything that was super out of the ordinary for most kids. Um, but as I got into middle school, I really started to battle with my mental health a little bit. Um, I went through a lot of emotional and social development a lot sooner than it seemed a lot of people around me, um, for no really specific reason. It just kind of happened. Um, I just, I just, I grew faster than a lot of other people. And so I battled through a lot of identity struggle as a seventh grader. And I really kind of got to a place in my life where everything kind of became very meaningless. And I was kind of trying to figure out who I was supposed to be, what I was good at, what I wasn't good at. Did people like me? Did people love me? What did they like and love me for? Um, and everything seemed very superficial. And so I hit a really low spot as a middle school kid thinking, you know, the only way to end this, to end this incessant struggle is to take my own life. And thankfully that never happened. Obviously, thankfully God using various other people in my life pulled me out of that. But what I learned through that process more importantly was that if I were to die as a seventh grade kid, not knowing what the meaning of life was, I had no idea where I was going on the other side of that, on the other side of that moment. I had, I had no idea were I to not exist now where would I exist on the other side of this physical life? And that's when I got scared into thinking, wow, maybe you're not a Christian. And so that was the moment um, that I actually submitted to the gospel and realized that it takes Jesus and Jesus only to cross me over from death to life, to use kind of the theme of this show, that that's when I realized that this is the gospel and you never actually did respond to it, but you have now. Um, and so, you know, that was when kind of I made the transition from understanding what faith and what Christianity really means to me. And it means that Jesus died for my sins on the cross. And that in light of that, no matter what happens to me, he's already taking care of it. And that's when my life found purpose and meaning. Um, I was chasing after things that would find me purpose and meaning, even as a, even as a young kid, and I could never find them. And then finally, Jesus said, you're chasing all the wrong things, just chase me. 
and there was. And so as a as a middle schooler, I fully submitted to the gospel and then crossed over from death to life. And so um, that started. That was that was a that was a. I don't even know what the year of that would be. I never really thought about it, but um, yeah, as a middle school kid, that's what happened to me. So, um, and I appreciate you sharing that, even being very transparent. I know, <clears throat> particularly this this year of COVID, um, there's been a lot more. Even our student pastor here at our church, uh, a lot of it's brought to the surface. I think a lot of people uh, struggling with mental health issues, and um, I appreciate you sharing that. And no doubt, those are serious issues. And I appreciate yeah. you sharing that part of your story. So as a seventh grader going into middle school, and of course, middle school is a really hard time in high school, even for identity. What what were some of the ways that you saw, you know, because I, I firmly believe that, you know, when we cross over as, as Christ followers, we cross over from death to life, that it's not like Jesus says, okay, I've given you my life. Okay, go on and live. I think that process continues where it's kind of like the imagery you get in John 15 where you see you know Jesus um, that connection we have with Jesus of the life that continues to go so how did you see how did you see a lot of the evidence of that life um, going into high school um, that through those years even in even towards um, college how did you see some of that life really manifest itself out yeah, well, I would say, you know, uh, you know, one or two, three practical examples was, you know, that was the moment when I was really transitioning into um, an actual functioning church member in the youth and all that kind of stuff at First Baptist Church Kings Mountain. That was when I was starting to make that transition into actually being a part of small groups and being a part of routine Sunday school and being and having these actual church personal community type relationships. And so that was that was kind of one of the really super um and realizing this in retrospect one of the super cool ways god provided for me almost immediately was i had an amazing church family that was already there to wrap their arms around me and all other types of means and so that was one cool way another cool way was at the age of 15 i go on this missions trip to costa rica and through this supernatural like weird communication type thing of events with three different people unrelated they all tell me through their native language which was spanish like hey you should be a pastor all apart from one another, all at different times during this trip, all for like seemingly no reason. And they're like, you know what? You should go be a pastor. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm 15 years old. I'm 15 and I have, you know, I've, I got to worry about algebra first. And the more I started to kind of mull over that, the more I had people like you, the more I had people like Jason Mills, the more I had people just in my life really kind of sitting me down and saying, you know, Hey, if you are called to ministry, here are the things to look for. Here's what we need to start talking about. And so, Kind of a couple manifestations of that of that new life in Christ was finally realizing what the local church was really for, and finally actually being able to take in that love they were giving me and actually use that. Um, another manifestation of that was actually seeing God's face. Um, for the first time in my life, I was starting to have experiences in life where I could see God physically moving uh, around me. Um, where I I'd, I'd spent years looking for His signature, realizing that I didn't know what His handwriting was, and finally now that I now that I've been given this new life and this this new set of eyes and this new heart of flesh, right? I could, I could see all the signs and workings of who God really was. Now, you know, I'm not going to front and act and act like I, I just took off and became Billy Graham in high school because that's the farthest thing from the truth. Um, but also at the same time, my quality of life and my worldview changed drastically right there in those first couple years because I started to realize what things really mattered. And 
my my competitive spirit drifted and I became far more passive in the things that don't matter. And I became far more active in the things that have eternal ramification. And I started to kind of put my investment in stuff that I thought was going to last. Um, and the only things that last are things of Christ. And so I was able to kind of grow in my participation in the local church, grow in my participation in other people's lives. I was able to finally dig into what it meant to be a believer. And I didn't do that super well in high school. Not, not really at all. I mean, there's plenty of broken relationships that I've had with people to attest to that. Um, but for the most part, um, I would say that my major transition from that salvational moment was realizing God is actively working and God is actively providing purpose to this thing that we call life. And so I need to do something about that. So that's probably the big, probably the big, you know, oh my gosh moment for me when it comes to faith is finally I was able to wake up and realize that there was a purpose for the next 12 hours that I was going to be awake today. Um, and you know, for probably the first time in my life, that was a reality I was living and praise be to God for that. Hmm. Well, one of the things that I know and I've experienced in myself is that God gives you is as you grow and mature and take these steps, as you shared some of the steps of uh, maturity uh, as, a, as a believer in Christ, getting a part of what we consider the body of Christ, of church, local community. Uh, one of the ways that I've really sensed the evidence of God is really his, his direction and the wisdom and not just, I don't, I don't believe that every open door necessarily is God's will for your life, but, but definitely, um, even as you and I have shared, um, you know, before this, uh, ways that you truly sense God leading and God opening doors. You know, there was one huge door that I, I can look back, and I know you would agree that God opened up for you, is for you to play college football. Um, you were um, uh, you were part of um, uh, a football team, very successful football team in your years at Kings Mountain. You were a very good long snapper. Uh, it opened the door for you to go to Presbyterian, go Blue Hose. Uh, so you you went to play college football. If you would, from a from a faith perspective, Cooper, uh, you played three seasons, correct? Three seasons for correct, yeah, for, yeah. for Presbyterian. How did you see? Uh, God use you there? How did you see um, God work in you and through you? Uh, when he opened that door for you to go, not only um, did it help get you through college, but but the doors of ministry and opportunity uh, to serve Christ while you were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So I'll give like a kind of like a flyover and then I'll give you a really specific example that I think would be super, uh, that people would be blessed by. So Kind of the kind of the flyover there was that you know, college football was not something I really lived for. Um, trying to go play at the next level was something that I thought I could do, but I wasn't like I wasn't like dead set on making that in my entire life goal. And so we kind of sat down as a family and we were like, you know, I'm I may be good enough to do this, but I don't have to do it. So we kind of narrowed down like, okay, where are places I would go to school, where are places I could play football, and we tried to you know apply to some of those. And so you know, I got a couple offers, um, and then finally Presbyterian comes knocking, and they were. They were not really super on my radar at first, but Coach Spangler, Presbyterian, calls me to his office in person. Is like, I want you to play here. Um, and Spangler did all that for me and was like, you know what? I really value you as a player and I want you to play for me. So I was like, you know what? If he values me that way, I want to play for him. Um, and so I chose to go do that. And let me tell you what kind of a roller coaster of events that was. So. The positives. First off, college football is super fun. College football is a super cool experience. There's nothing you could ever do that's like it. 
Um, and it's just a really cool experience. You have an automatic 100 friends for, you know, the entirety of your, your life experience as a college athlete. Um, I played for three years. I went to college for three years. And so I kind of was like a freshman, sophomore, senior type deal. But, um, man, college football is super cool, super fun. You get to fly. You get to see these big places. You get to meet all these cool guys. I mean, I played with a guy who's now in the NFL, plays for the Indianapolis Colts. His name's Rocky Asin. He's a corner. And that's not really super important, but I feel like that's cool. And so um, all the positives of college football are just everything you think they would be. Like, I get to be a college athlete. You know, more importantly – I get to go and do something that so many people from, from my hometown, from my family, from my life have invested in me to get to this point. And now, you know, now I get to put them on my back and do this for them. And so that was really super cool. And there are a lot of, I mean, I built literally lifelong friendships with some of my teammates. Um, and even as a, even as a college freshman, I met who is now literally my best friend, Thomas Broom. Thomas is also called to ministry, going to seminary. He's a little bit older than me, but just by virtue of becoming friends with Thomas, I finally started to flesh out what a call to ministry really meant for me because we were just constantly kind of going back and forth, figuring out what it meant for each other. And so God gave me Thomas just in a just in a friend relationship that helped me go from zero to 100 on what is being called to ministry really look like. Um, but I'll be honest with you, the, the, the other big way I saw God open doors in college football were with the negatives. Um, college football is super mentally tough. You know, you kind of hit that lull your freshman year where you're like, do I really want to do this? Like, do I really want to get up? Do I really want people to scream at me every day about lifting weights? Like, like, is this something I really want to do? You know, there's that battle of the locker room where, you know, all these guys, I mean, I had some phenomenal teammates. I really did. And I, and I, I love so many of those guys, but there are also a lot of guys that I would never let my daughter with ever for any reason whatsoever, ever guys. I would never spend personal time with alone in their own car for, fear of whatever they would have brought with them kind of type stuff. Cause that's just the nature of how dudes are, especially in a place that is the American university system uh, completely away from accountability. And so there were, there were always those negative battles of having to constantly be on guard for sin, because if you just want to come in and fit in to a lot of the sins that go on in college, you are in the vast majority of people. Whereas if you want to live countercultural to that, you live in the vast minority of people. And something I had to really figure out as a college athlete was how do I, pursue my call to ministry, stay away from the sins that college has to offer me, but also not become a prude who just blows people off. It's like, how do I love my teammates despite the fact that we have so many differences, especially in the way we view um, what life's really for? You know, life's not all for pleasure and chasing things that are temporary. Life's about Christ and serving him and making his gospel known. And it's like, how do I spend 50 hours a week with the same group of guys in which I have almost nothing in common with? And so God taught me relationships. Um, if I could, if I could take anything that's transitioning me from college football to ministry, it's how to love people despite your differences. Cause I met guys from all over the country, from all different walks of life, you know, from all different faith backgrounds. I mean, I had several Muslim teammates. I had a Buddhist teammate. I had all types of different, I had a few atheistic teammates. I mean, meeting all these guys with so many different families and stories and hurts and wants and pains and, and things they like and things they don't like. It's, you know, it was, a uh, it was a it was a very new and worthwhile experience for me learning how to love people that aren't just from the same walk of life as me. And so a lot of the positives are all the positives you think they would be. All the ways God just gave me the opportunity to have fun for three years and enjoy having friends that were on the team with me and doing fun stuff like staying up too late and going on away trips and stuff like that. But there was also that negative battle of trying to figure out who I am in Christ 
in such a negative environment. I'm trying to figure out how do I act like a believer in an environment that is increasingly anti-Christian. Um, and so if I had to give you a specific example of that, something that's really cool. Um, I had a teammate, his name was George. And Thomas and I, as we became friends, George also kind of became friends with us. George and I were in the same class of, 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 of uh, athletes. And so we came in at the same time. Thomas and I really tried to pour into George, tried to share the gospel with George. We tried to really love George and try and, you know, point him in the direction of seeking Jesus' face. And George would get close and just would never really make that jump. He would always kind of drift away. And so, I mean, I'll be totally honest with you. Embarrassingly, I'll say I just completely lost hope with George. I, I, I didn't really want to keep pursuing ministry for him. I didn't really want to keep trying to share the gospel with him because he just kept rejecting me. Now, granted, at the same time, the silver lining in there, and this was all God doing this because I know in hindsight, there's no way I would have wanted to do this if it weren't for him. I still maintained that relational contact with George. We cracked jokes. We ate lunch together. You know, we we maintained that relationship because I still let George know I love you despite this. Um, and I love you enough to keep this relationship going, hoping you'll come back. And so finally, literally my senior year, which is chronologically really my junior year, um, like early February, you know, I'm I'm in class and George is like, hey, can I come to your room after this? And I'm like, sure. You know, it's like a random Monday. George comes to my dorm room at like 830 on a Monday. We make this lame small talk for like two minutes. And finally, he just breaks down, man. He completely leaves all his stuff at the door. And he's like, here's how I feel. Here's what I know. I know I'm not saved. I know that I need something. My life is completely meaningless. And I want to know I want to know the gospel and I want to respond to it. And so right there in my dorm room, I mean, this guy that comes in with me, this guy that I, this, I mean, it, if it's not for Presbyterian College, George Crosby is not a believer. Um, it, if it's not for um, college football, and it, it, if it's not for building that relationship through college football, if it's not for the fact that Tommy Spangler said, Cooper, I want you to play here, and I go and meet George, and then three years later, George becomes a Christian, like, that all matters. Um, and so George was kind of the was kind of the nail in the coffin for me, realizing that once again, something I realized even as a middle school student when I when I when I finally transitioned into saving faith was God is doing this for a reason. Um, and there's been so many times, especially playing college football, where you wake up and it hurts and you wake up and you're like, man, I don't want to do this. Like trying to prepare for ministry. I don't want to do this. Trying to prepare for marriage. Like I don't want to pay for that. But realizing that God's got a purpose behind what he's doing and that's what college football taught me. College football taught me that you can't see the end right now, so don't worry about it. Just worry about where your feet are, and where your feet are is where Christ needs to be represented. And that's what I learned as a college football player is learning how to be where my feet are, reflect Christ, and display Christ. You know, reflect Christ, what he's done for me, but also display Christ in loving people through adversity and also loving people despite what was going on for me. Because at the end of the day, if these guys don't know the gospel after they've met me, then they they might as well have never met me. Hmm. Hmm. Great words. I'm sure you've got so many stories you could share just from your college years. We'll so, to, w- way too many. Way too many. <laughs> uh, we would uh, maybe we'll have to have you back for for a second a second time on crossed over uh, in the future. So as we kind of wrap up, Cooper, you know one of the things that I like to do, and, and thank you for sharing um, how. I mean, just some tangible examples of how um, Jesus pours life into us. I mean, one of the things that I never get over, and I hope that you, as you go into ministry, 
uh, never get over the fact that God uses you, uses me, uses people like us to share the most incredible good news with people that don't know. Um, that's one of the, I guess, inspiration for doing Crossed Over for me. If you, um, and Cooper, we, I don't know. Um, we may have five people that watch this show, 500, 5,000, we don't know, or listen to it. Every episode, what I've tried to do is give my guests an opportunity uh, to just take a minute or two um, to share anything that's on their heart, uh, a final word to maybe those that are, that are watching or listening, a word of encouragement, a word of challenge. Um, what what would you what would you say to that? We you know I'm kind of uh I was kind of I was kind of set up for this question because of all the of all the of all the various parents I've had to talk to the last couple of weeks transitioning into this new vocational ministry position. Um, but you know, something that I something that I fleshed out as a college student, something that I have so have thus far committed my my vocational ministry life to uh, is three things. Um, you've got to know Christ. Okay, if you've never heard the gospel or don't know the gospel, you could not have necessarily responded to it. Um, and so that goes for you who are an unbeliever, but it also goes for those people that we know that are unbelievers. You know, how are these people going to hear if we don't tell them? Um, so you've got to know Christ. You've got to daily engage with Christ. You've got to read his word. You've got to pray. You've got to interact with the Savior of the universe. The second thing you've got to do is, is you've got to reflect Christ. First um, John 2, 6, those who say they abide in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, he being Jesus. You know, if you're going to call yourself a believer, your life ought to reflect that. And if we're going to call ourselves soldiers for the gospel that everything you do say think eat breathe ought to be for the furthering of that gospel we need to reflect christ by our very existence because that's what god's calling us to if we call ourselves believers and thirdly like i just mentioned a second ago you've got to display christ it's one thing to know him it's one thing to reflect him and those things are good but for every person that's saved there's countless number of people that aren't um, and how are people going to hear the gospel if we don't tell them. And so if you're going to call yourself a believer, that's what I challenge you to. And that's what I challenge myself to on a daily basis is daily to seek his face and daily to seek to know him, reflect him and display him. Because if we're not doing those three things, we're not doing what he's asked us to do. And if we're not doing what he's asked us to do, we're completely wasting our, his and everyone else's time. And so that's kind of the thing I would like to leave them with. And that's the thing that I hope becomes the heart of of whatever ministry I become a part of, not because that came out of my brain, but because that came straight out of the text of scripture and I hope that we can that we can hopefully as a church, Big C, um, realize that vision because there are people dying every day, meeting their creator, having not known him. And that's on us. You know, Ezekiel chapter three, that blood is on our hands. And so we've got to get the gospel out. And the only way to do that is to know who gave us the gospel in the first place. Yeah. Good word, brother. Good word. I mean, as, as you and I both know and many who listen know, but maybe we need to be reminded of that is that... Um, when Jesus pours life into us, I mean, my life versus Galatians 2.20. Um, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the life, uh, basically the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But I, as, a, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as you said, if, if, why should I, if, if I claim Christ, how can I not be reflecting him? How can I not be um, leaning on the life the life that he gives, I mean, connected to the life source. So great word, um, you know, challenge to each of us out there. Each and every day, there's uh, people around us that need to hear, need to see it um, as we, we live out the good news of Jesus. Cooper, man, our time has flown. 
And as we come to this uh, end of the show, can I just say thank you for being on with us? Yeah, man, it was uh, it was a super cool experience. And you know, any chance to uh, any chance to share what Christ has done for me is obviously one hundred percent and totally a worthwhile experience. So honestly, an honor to talk about him. Honestly, an honor to talk with you about him. And so, yeah, man, I'm always down for it. Well, as we've done sometimes on the show, I'm just going to pray for us, and I want to pray for you, okay? Absolutely. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for the gift of life, um, particularly as Cooper shared uh, how you have poured your life into his. And um, Lord, it's amazing um, how I've seen. um, Cooper talks about the ways that he has seen you work in his life. God, I've seen you um, tangibly with my own eyes, how you've you've brought life into him. I thank you for how you redeemed him, how you um, forgave him of his sins. I thank you for the stories that he shared. And I pray, I pray that someone who's listening, someone who's watching um, would have heard the truth. The truth is Cooper said the truth of the gospel, which is simply the good news uh, that you came to save sinners like us, messed up, lost, dead in our sin, uh, but you came to bring us life. So I rejoice in all that we've shared, that we recorded today, and I pray that people who have heard our words, seen these stories, seen these testimonies, this interview today, uh, that they would open their heart and turn to you because you are life. I thank you for my brother. Thank you for Cooper as he prepares to get married, as he continues to work in seminary, uh, in the ministry, and as he starts this new position in the church um, there just up the road in Burlington, North Carolina. Uh, but I give you praise, um, most of all, for, for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, Cooper, until we talk again, uh, it's good to see you. My friend, thank you for being on Crossed Over. Yeah, man, go Dolphins. That's right, fins up. We do. We're so grateful that Cooper uh, joined us on Crossover. And uh, as I've done a few other previous episodes, I do want, uh, you know, Cooper is one that I shared earlier, loves coffee. And I should have told Cooper this, but I want coffee. Sorry, I want Cooper to go buy some coffee and spend some little money online from the River City Church out of the Northwest. It's uh, churchplantcoffee.com. And their motto at Church Plant Coffee is the gospel impact with every sip. And if you love coffee and you love Jesus, listen, there's no better way to get a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of coffee, combine those two, and support church planting efforts in the Pacific Northwest. So churchplantcoffee.com. My buddy Ryan Sidholm is a church planter with his wife out there, and so we want to support them as well. So as we close this episode... Please listen, continue to listen, like it, share it, subscribe it. Uh, And if you would, whether you're on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, you help us get the word out. Uh, If you were encouraged today by Cooper's story or any of the previous episodes, please share what you've seen and what you have heard. And as I close out uh, this episode, let me remind you, you've heard it from the words of our guest today, uh, Cooper Short. Jesus is life. And if you've not heard someone tell you today, if you have breath in your lungs, you still have hope. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so, just
Just like the words I began with come from John 5, 24. Jesus himself said, very truly I tell you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So until next time, I encourage you to live the life crossed over. Open up your heart and mind to the Lord Jesus, and he will give you life. Until next time, take care.